Hi, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of Bethlehem Church. We are located in Austin, Minnesota, and I'm Pastor Paul Steele. We are in a sermon series entitled Living by Faith as we look at the book of James. Now, James is a letter found in the New Testament, and it's written by James, who is the half-brother of Jesus. And he's writing to Jewish Christians who are scattered throughout the Roman Empire. He's sharing his wisdom with them so that they can have the knowledge they need to live a life of faith within the culture that they find themselves in. Now, we are in a very similar situation. We're asking ourselves, how do we live a life of faith? How do we follow Jesus in the culture that we live in? in the politics that, that we have, with the money and the luxuries that we get to enjoy, within the multicultural and multi-religious realities that are expressed in our society, in our culture. And our hope is that as we go through this book, the wisdom that James shared with these Jewish Christians 2,000 years ago will help give us guidance on how we live a life of faith today. Now let's get into the sermon. Today we're going to be in uh, James, James chapter 3, the entire chapter, all 18 verses. So James chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, Not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make large horses go wherever we want by the means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is, it is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can, be set, it can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by the living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes with wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For whatever, wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. 
It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this day and this opportunity to look at your word, uh, to try to gain some wisdom for our lives. And so we ask that your Holy Spirit would direct us and teach us, help us to, to land on that truth that you have for us today. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So as we've been talking about James, right, one of the things that I've said is that it appears that James is influenced by the book of Proverbs. And so in Proverbs chapter 12, verses 18 through 18 and 19, we read, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. Our words matter. At the age of 16, Edward Stitchin bought a camera. Now, this is in the late 1800s. He bought a camera and took 50 pictures. 49 of those pictures turned out awful. One picture, a picture that he took of his sister playing the piano, was wonderful. Now, his dad looked at all this and said, like dads tend to do, right? Like, like why did you waste your money on all this? Like, you know, what, what's the purpose of this? But his mom looked at that one picture and saw that there was some talent to it. Like, this is a wonderful picture. And she encouraged Edward. And Edward Stitchin grew up to be the person credited with moving photography into an art form. All because of the words his mom spoke into his life. Right? Communication is a huge part of our lives. It's a huge part of what we do each and every day. Each day we are communicating with other people, right? And because communication is such an important part of our lives, we need to do it well. Communication is one of the key parts of life. So as we're looking here at the book of James and we're asking ourselves this question, right? right? We're asking ourselves, how does a disciple of Jesus live? How does a disciple of Jesus live? And the answer that we're receiving from the book of James, the answer that James gives to us is that a disciple of Jesus lives each day by faith. A disciple of Jesus lives each day by faith. But what does that mean? Right? What, what, what does it mean to live by faith? Well, today as we look at what James has for us, we see that he concentrates a lot on what comes out of our mouth. The words that we say, how we are communicating. So James chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. James chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. 
and two. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could con also control ourselves in every other way. James tells us here, he offers this, this warning. Don't presume or don't chase after being a teacher within the church. Now, he's not doing this to discourage people from teaching because the church needs good teachers. We need people who can correctly handle Scripture and communicate that effectively. No, he's hitting on the reality that teachers have a big impact. They have a huge influence on our lives. And what a teacher teaches, and even the example the teacher sets, influences those that he or she is teaching. And so you have to be mindful of it. You have to be mindful of it. Teaching is a big responsibility. It impacts people for good and bad. So there's been studies that show, and this, this is within uh, just teaching, teaching in general, especially teaching in schools. So there, there's these, these studies that have been done. And one of the things that it's shown is that, that the top 10% of teachers, the great teachers are able to convey, convey up to three times the knowledge that the bottom teachers are able to communicate. So the top 10% of teachers are able to be so good at their craft that they're able to share that knowledge so much more effectively than those who struggle with this idea of with, with, with teaching. What they've also found is that Teaching, the quality of teaching impacts learning more than any other factor. The quality of teaching impacts learning more than any other factor. It impacts it more than uh, the student's home life, where they've come from. It impacts it more than the, the quality of school. The quality of teaching is the most important part. And they've also found then that teachers have two to three times the impact when it comes to learning than any other factor in school. The quality of teaching impacts far more than whether the school is connected with Wi-Fi and all that stuff. It's the quality of teaching. Teaching has this huge impact, influence on the lives of people. And so James is saying that if you're going to be a teacher, you're going to influence these people's lives. And when we're talking about the kingdom of God, when we're talking about eternal, eternal stuff, that matters. And you're going to be judged more strictly. You're going to be judged based on the content of what you're teaching about. Are you teaching the truth? Are you just trying to say things that 
people will like to hear and that they will praise you. Isn't that part of, part of what Jesus was saying to the, the Pharisees? Like, hey, don't just teach so that others will be impressed with who you are. And Paul will, will, says in his letters, hey, during the, the, the final days, right, teachers are going to come, and they're just going to say things. They're going to tickle the ears of their listeners. They're going to say things that people want to hear. They're not going to challenge people with words like repent, like obedience. No, they're going to try to encourage people and make people feel all good and warm inside. So poor teachers are judged based on their content, but they're also judged based on their life. Unfortunately, we've had some very big uh, examples of how teachers... And their lack of integrity has infected, affected people. Probably the biggest one recently, right, is Ravi Zacharias. Where now it's come to light that all the credentials and degrees that he claimed to have, he didn't have. He made it all up. And then you add on to the way he took advantage of women, right, he said good things. He spoke some truth. But his life did not match what he was saying. And that, inf- that affects people. And so James is saying, be careful. Don't, want, don't desire this because God's going to hold you to a higher standard. He goes on here to say in, in uh, James chapter 3, verses 3 through 8, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though, though, though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. Its whole world It's a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it itself is set on fire by hell. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Have you ever been hurt by a careless word? I mean, I think all of us have those examples and probably multiple examples of things that somebody has said to us still come to mind. So in 2006, I'm uh, living in, in Iowa City and I'm working at Brugger's Bagels in Coralville. Uh, and uh, and I'm, I'm the baker. And so part of what you do when you bake bagels is there's this big vat of water, boiling water. So you have to put the, the raw dough into this boiling vat of water. That's the first step, and it has to be in there for, uh, it's been so long ago, I think it's a minute, and then you take it out, you put it on the sticks, you stick it in the oven. Now, we've all made like pasta. What happens sometimes with pasta? Things boil over. 
So you also, in this time, you have to be paying attention to making sure that the water doesn't start to boil over. Well, one time, we were really busy, and I'm trying, you know, I'm, you can only bake things so fast, right? There's a process to it. Like, in the water for a minute, then in uh, the oven, on, on, you have to put them on the sticks, and then after a certain time, you reach in, you flip them over, and so they finish on the other side. That takes time, and you can't rush that process. And so I'm in there trying to, we're, we're slammed, I'm trying to do everything, and then as I'm over here at the oven trying to do that, what happens? It boils over. And our manager walks in at that time and turns things out, and I hear him say, they're worthless. Like, ugh. now, I know, right, they, like, I know that that's just a time of frustration because I know he told me, like, hey, you're one of the best bakers I've ever had, you know, but it's that moment you're, where things are rushed and you're trying, you're worthless. But you know, even though I know that, there are times when that thought comes to mind. So that's the power our words have. Our words have this huge amount of power to them. And so James says, pay attention to this. Your tongue can control your entire life. It can affect everything you do. And it can affect the other people too. It can corrupt you. It can corrupt your character. He says, it is set on fire by hell itself. Which is very similar to what Jesus told the religious leaders when he said, hey, you're just like your father, the devil, who lies. You're following his example. And so when we say things that hurt people, when we say things that aren't true, when we pass on gossip, who are we like? We're like Satan. We're saying untrue, unkind things. And we're corrupted, and we're corrupting those around us. James says that, you have to get a control on that, because that affects every other area of your life. Our tongues are, small, are a small part of our bodies, and yet they can have the biggest impact in what we do. And so we have to pay attention from the way we speak to people, the promises that we make, the things that we choose to share with others that more, more than likely are just gossip. We as Christians know how to gossip, you know, well, oh, could you be praying for your so-and-so, right? They're going through a tough time, right? Like, we know how to pass on gossip without passing on gossip. James says, pay attention. Don't cause a huge fire from one little thing that you say. Starting here in verse 9, he goes on to say, Sometimes it praises, so sometimes our tongue praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out both with 
fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So James is really talking about what here? He's talking about hypocrisy. He's saying you can't say one thing and do another. You can't say one thing and then say another. You can't be on, in worship on Sunday morning singing these worship songs to God, and then Sunday afternoon when you go out to eat, you curse the, the waiter, maybe not to his face, because they mixed up your order. Right? That can't happen. That's the, you can't say, I praise God, I worship God, I love God, and then, hey, you are an idiot. You're worthless to someone who's created in God's image. Both can't be true. Who are you really? Does, are you truly worshiping God Are you just going through the motions, trying to make people think you are such a wonderful spiritual person? Does the fruit of your life match up with what you say you believe? So, when the Titanic sunk, right, it hits an iceberg. And so in our minds, and this is what people believed for a long time, is that there was this huge gash put in the side of the ship that allowed water in. Well, in 1997, when they found the wreckage, and they, they took, however they do it, you know, and they, what they discovered was that it wasn't a huge gash. There were six small slits in the side that let the water in. So it rubbed against this iceberg and it was enough to break the integrity of that metal to let the water in. This is why our words matter so much because we can build a life of Christian character. We can represent Jesus well but just a few words out of our mouths can affect the way people perceive us and as a follower of Jesus, perceive the church and God as well. And so James is saying, pay attention. You can't fake this. You have to put in the effort and the intention to become the person that God wants you to be. That's, and if you can get control over your tongue, this is right. You can get control over anything else that you do. All your other behaviors are easy compared to controlling your tongue. And I think because I was thinking about this, why is that? Because we're all very good at putting up this mask, and when we're around people like, hey, this is who I am, when do we let our guards down? With the people that we're closest to. Who are sometimes the meanest people, or the people we're meanest to, those who are closest to? That's when we let out those little sarcastic side comments. 
That's when we know, hey, if I say this, this is going to, I'm, I'm in a grumpy mood, grumpy mood, and so I'm going to push their buttons and you know just the right thing to say. But if we can control that, James says, we can control every other thing that we do. That, for whatever reason, is the hardest to get a, to get get on top of. I think the reason is we all communicate, we all talk, and we don't really put too much into thinking what comes out of our mouth. It just happens so naturally. And James wants us to think about what are we truly saying. This all takes wisdom. Verse 13, if you are wise and understand God's ways, Prove it by living an honorable life, doing good, work, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous, there's selfish ambition in your heart. Don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there will be... You, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it's always sincere. And those who are peace, peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. You see there where James has already hit on, he goes back, kind of hits on things he's already covered up covered like hey god's wisdom shows no favoritism it does good deeds those are that's kind of where we've been the last three weeks no favoritism show good deeds show mercy but he says there's two sources of wisdom right there's the wisdom that is earthly unspiritual demonic and there's the wisdom that comes down from our heavenly father from heaven godly wisdom and how do we tell between the two how do we know if we are being led by godly wisdom or the wisdom of this world because we'll look at the fruit that it produces it's very much like what paul wrote in galatians chapter 5 when he's talking about what guides your life is it the flesh that guides your life because if the flesh guides your life you're going to experience these types of things and you're, you're going to experience division you're going to experience sexual immorality you're going to experience those things those things are going to come out in your life or are you going to be guided by the spirit because if you're guided by the spirit then your life will produce the fruit of the spirit full of love and gentleness and kindness and peace self-control and so james says the same thing if you want to know what wisdom is guiding your life look at what is coming out of your life if there's a bunch of selfish ambition where you just want to use people to get ahead just for your own benefit, that's earthly wisdom. If, there's, if you're, you're causing division, that's earthly wisdom. If you're envious of others, that's earthly. So take a look at what is guiding your life and the fruit that it's producing. But if you're following God's wisdom, it's going to produce these things in your life it's going to produce humility right it's going to produce 
gentleness. It's going to produce peace. It's going to produce obedience. That's the type of wisdom that comes down from heaven. Humility and kindness and good deeds and peace. Those are how we know we are following the wisdom of God. But then he ends this section here. Not that he really ends this section because this is one, there's no chapter verse breaks. But he, he says, And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So how do we know, ultimately, how do we know we're following the wisdom of God? If we're planting peace. If we're peacemakers. And remember, biblical peace is not just about the absence of conflict. It's about the restoration of harmony. It's about bringing reconciliation in relationships between us and other people and God and, and, and people. So if that's what we're seeking to do, if we are seeking to build for the kingdom of God, then that means that we are living the wisdom that God gives us. So what do we need to know? What do we need to know? Well, first of all, we need to know the fact that we need to control our tongues. We need to control our tongues. So how do we do that? Well, James has already told us. He's already told us the first step to take if we want to control our tongues. James chapter 1, verse 19. And understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, Low to become angry. When do we mess up and stumble the most with our tongues, with the words that come out of our mouth? When we get angry. When we, uh, when we think we have to say something. And James says, no, be quick to listen. Listen to what is happening. Don't think you have to have something to say. Don't speak on, out of anger. So if we follow this advice from James... We can get a hold of our tongue because it's, it, we're, we're forcing us to stop to actually think about what we need to say, why we're feeling this way, why we're getting angry, and asking God to help us with wisdom as we approach this. So if we're going to get control of our tongues, we need to slow, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This isn't just good advice, but it's the way to start gain, gaining control over what we say. And so we also, so we need to control our tongues, but we also need to live with wisdom. And not just with any wisdom, right? But specifically with God's wisdom. And remember, God's wisdom or biblical wisdom is the knowledge for living life well. Biblical wisdom is the knowledge of, for living life well. How are we supposed to live? How are we supposed to demonstrate God's character? Well, we need God's wisdom to do that. So how do we receive God's wisdom? Again, James has already told us what to do. So James chapter 1, verse 5, what does he say? If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So if we need wisdom, if we're going to live by God's wisdom, what do we need to do? We need to pray. Pray and ask God for wisdom. He's going to give it to us. That's James' promise here. God's generous and he will give us the wisdom that we need. But we also need to 
No scripture, right? Because we believe that this book right here is God's gift to us that contains the knowledge, the truth that he wants us to know. So we need to know this. In James chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. So we don't want to be fools, right? We want to live with wisdom. So what do we need to do? We need to know God's word. This has to be part of our lives. It needs to be in here. And then we need to dedicate our lives to doing it. Applying it to our lives. That's how we gain wisdom in this world. The Bible was written to give us godly wisdom. And so it does that as we study the word and as we meditate on it. Think about it. So meditation is not just you know, memorizing stuff, but it's also it, it engages our imagination as we imagine us doing these things. Right, when I was uh, in, uh, in doing sports, both in high school and, bo and when I was playing uh, basketball in college, Coach would always have us, or say to us, you need to visualize yourself having success. You need to run through, that mentally run through what it is that your role, that you're supposed to play. And that's what part of what meditation does. It helps us to start to imagine us in these scenarios that, yeah, I can do this. So here's the bottom line this morning. A disciple of Jesus seeks to live by the wisdom God gives to live the right life. A disciple of Jesus seeks to live by the wisdom God gives to live the right life. This is true in every area of our lives, but it is especially true in the words that come out of our mouth, our tongues. That's what he spent so much time on. What is coming out of your, life, your mouth? What is it that you're saying? Well, we need God's wisdom to help control that. And as we live with wisdom, then we are able to truly be representatives of God and demonstrate his character. We need wisdom to live right. And so here is our challenge. Our challenge this week is in our prayers to ask God to give Bethlehem wisdom. And so during the week, when I'm here, I walk around the sanctuary, and one of the things that I do is that I ask that for everyone who is sitting in these seats, that God would give them wisdom. Because wisdom is essential for our lives. It's essential. If we, we need God's knowledge for living life well, we do. And I think it's a neglected thing that we've talked about that we haven't talked about in the church. We've talked, focused so much on how to avoid sin or sin management in this. We haven't talked enough about the fact that God wants us to live wisely and that he gives us the truth, the knowledge we need to live that type of life. And, he, and we see Paul pray for that over and over and over again. So, so let's just pray for each other, for Bethlehem to live with wisdom this week. Not just so we can act like we're wise and all-knowing on all this, but more so we can demonstrate God's character in this world. 
We need God's wisdom to do that. Thanks for watching and listening to our sermon today. I hope that it was an encouragement to you as you follow Jesus. If you've benefited from our Sunday morning live stream, from our bottom, bottom line videos, uh, or this sermon podcast, one of the best ways you can support us is simply to give. And you can do that by going to our website, BethlehemChurchAustin.com, and following the Give tab. If you have a question, if you have a prayer request that you'd like other people to be praying about, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can leave a comment. You can send us a, a personal message. You can email us. But we would love to be in contact with you. We'd love to, to be praying for you. That's one of the benefits of being part of the worldwide global church is that we are in this together. So have a great rest of the week and God bless.